Well, hello and welcome to In The Growth Space. This is the show for business owners and leaders who have a thirst for growth. Really appreciate you listening in. My name is David McGlennon and I'm your host. Now, if this is your first time listening in, um, I just want to say welcome. Um, this podcast is is all about growth and we talk uh, about business growth. We talk about team growth and personal growth. Growth. They're, they're all intertwined and I really love talking with people who have gone on their own growth journey and I just really want to learn from. So um, I like having guests on like we have today who are going to teach us something. And, and today we're going to talk about and focus on business growth. You know, we can't have business growth without growing our sales. And so often sales has this really negative connotation. And, and our guest today is really going to change that. And, and, and the reality is that our sales aren't going to grow unless our people know how to sell using human behavior and, and psychology principles. And, and my guest today is, is Jeremy Miner. He is the chairman of Seventh Level, which is a global sales training company. And that company was ranked on the fastest growing companies in the United States by Inc. Magazine's list of the top 5,000 companies in, in 2021. They've been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, and a host of other publications. And Jeremy says, the single most effective way to sell anything to anyone here in 2022 is to be a problem finder and a problem solver, not a product pusher. So for Jeremy, the embodiment of this philosophy has made him one of the wealthiest sales professionals on the planet. During his 17-year sales career, Jeremy was recognized by the Direct Selling Association as the 45th highest earning producer out of more than 100 million salespeople, and that's selling anything worldwide. His earnings as a commission-only salesperson were in the multiple seven figures every year. <laughs> this is going to be a great conversation. I really think you're going to like this. Um, so here's the conversation with Jeremy Miner now. Well, Jeremy, so great to have you on the show today. I've been really excited about this conversation and, and really looking forward to, uh, you know, just digging into our conversation. Yeah, you know, and, and thanks for the uh, the nice introduction. I'm going to take all that as a compliment because my kids say I'm pretty boring. So it's always <laughs> nice to hear some good things about you here in a while. So it's a great opportunity to be on your show and, and looking forward to seeing how we can help your listeners, like, increase their business skills, their persuasion, sales skills, possibly as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's such a great topic. And let's start with this, Jeremy. I mean, one of the things I know about you is that your company has grown tremendously. I mean, you're, you guys are on with the Inc. 500 fastest, uh, fastest growing companies. You've got headquarters in, in really three different locations, you know, right. here in the U.S. You've yeah. got a location in Australia and just opened one in Dubai. So what are some of the lessons that you've learned in growing a company so fast and, and really on three different well, companies? Yeah, well, there's a lot of lessons for sure. So we're going into our fourth year now. So it's, it's, and it's the Inc. 5000 list. I wish there was an Inc. 500 list. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I would just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah so sure. The Inc. 5000 list, our third year, you know, increased revenue. I think it was like 600, 700%, something like wow. that. And we were ranked like, I don't remember, it was like 1,200 fastest growing companies in the US. We were actually the number one rated fastest sales training company in the United States. 
which is what we were after, of course. Yeah, you know. of course. But anyways, but with all that being said, there's a lot of lessons to learn. And I would say the biggest lesson I could ever teach somebody starting a business or maybe is in their first couple of years in their business is it really, it, it doesn't matter how great your products and services are if you don't have the right team around you to get those to the market. And I learned the hard way. Like my first year when I started, it was me and it was my assistant who I brought over for my job. Okay, Beth. Yeah. I don't know why she still works with me, but anyway, so I had, <laughs> she was at my job for like five years before that. And, you know, I had my sales career and everything. And I had my own assistant with my, in my job and stuff. I was like, Hey, I'm starting this sales training company. Do you want to come? And she was the one that came, you know? And then there was one salesperson and in the first year it was just us three. And that was really it. And here I am trying to do all the training, produce new content, be everywhere all the time and run the business. Well, my it's, it's a much different ball game going from being, let's say that you're in sales, like you're a salesperson, or let's say you're a VP of sales or even a chief sales officer or something. It's a completely different game, like running sales teams than it is actually running everything in the business, like being a CEO. And so I learned the hard way the first year, like the being a CEO was really not my strongest point. Okay. I think I was probably a below average CEO. If I'm being realistic with myself, like it's just not something that I love doing. I didn't love going in there and doing everything, plus all the training, all the fulfillment and being everywhere. Like that's just rough. So about a year, geez, I would say about 16 months in, I started realizing like, okay, like we're getting a lot of results for companies that we're training in these individual salespeople, but like, we're not going to be able to scale with me doing this. Like I can't do everything. So I brought in uh, one of our clients actually. So we trained his company. He was on like the fitness space, like had a bunch of gyms and we trained all the salespeople. They got massive and he sold his company, made a ton of money. And I'm like, how do I get this guy to come in? Cause I could see like how he ran his business, especially once we train his people, the right skills. How do I get that guy to come in and be the CEO of my company? Well, that <laughs> happened. Okay. So that happened. So it was great because he already understood our methodology. He was obviously dug into the training because it scaled him times 10 with his own business. And so now he's a CEO. He's my business partner. And once we brought, his name is Matt Ryder. Once we brought Matt in and then we hired a really good team around him, like we have an excellent chief revenue officer now, Marco Cortese. Like once we hired the right people, that just the business just started growing. I mean, we were growing like 35, 40% month after month. Wow. You know, it was, it was crazy. Like we were growing so fast that we had to actually slow down the marketing some months because we're like, we, we don't have the people hired yet to fulfill what we're selling. You know what I'm saying? So that takes a while to build that infrastructure. And we're still building the infrastructure to even grow and scale from where we're at, uh, even from mm -hmm. 20 and 21. But it really, once you have the right team around you, Everything just kind of, and obviously you have to have to have great products and services. You have to have that, or otherwise you're, you're not going to be around long-term and you have to get results for your clients. But when you have those type of things, like it's pretty easy to scale a business at that point. When you don't have them, it's, man, it's a lot of trial and error. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, and, and how did you find, you talk about you know, creating the right team and bringing the right team around you. So like, how did you find that right team? And you know, how did you know when they were the right people for the right Kind of the right seats on the bus, so to speak. In the beginning, a lot of it was trial and error because I was the one interviewing. I was doing all that stuff. But once I turned the business over to our CEO and the people in our organization 
the right departments. You know, we have people on our board now, like we have the former CEO of Smirnoff Vodka on our board. Nice. He helped, he helped us structure everything. Like you need to report to this person, that person reports to this person. Because in the beginning, when it's like a two or three man band, right. it's like, you're just going all over the place kind of wild. Right. And so once we brought in a board, we had structure and we had the right people, it was pretty easy to be able to hire the right people. And and those people who were hiring understood what our culture was, okay? We primarily, like when we hire salespeople, we primarily hire people that have gone through our training that are getting results because they come to us, like they apply every month, like, how can we work for you guys? How can we, you know, (laughs) we have 117 salespeople. I would say probably 95% of them, there are a few expectations, uh, two exceptions, 95% of them came from people who have purchased some of our training and was using it with what they sold and then wanted to come work for us. So we already have them, like they already know what to do. And we, you know, with salespeople, we like to hire them very, very young. We're kind of different. Sure. There are a few uh, exceptions, Uh, but we typically, I would say our average age of our salespeople are between the ages of 22 and 28. And we like that because they're very hungry. And we get them so young that we train them the right skills day number one, that we don't have to compete with maybe things that they've learned and bad habits for 10, 15, 25 years and like have to retrain them. We just train them from the ground floor up to produce the way we want them to. And it's, uh, it's been phenomenal, phenomenal growth. That's really why. Well, we're going to come back to your, your, your training too, because I know you've got a unique methodology, but before we get there, I wanted to talk, you mentioned something talking about culture. So culture is so important and it's near and dear to my heart. And so I'm kind of curious, like, you know, what's been important on your culture? Like how have you created your culture and how have you designed it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of our, a lot of our culture is just the people buying into where we're going as a company, as far as how we help clients get the results they want. Like our, Mm -hmm. our, our people all the way from marketing departments to, you know, IT to sales, to, to really everything like they, they are bought in of getting our clients, the results that they have been getting. Cause they've seen that they've seen the testimonials. We have thousands of testimonies at this point. They've seen all this. They've seen how we've impacted companies and we're young. This is only our fourth year. We'll be in a whole different place four years from now. I, I'd start to look back at it. And I'm like, why are we here? I'm like, oh yeah, we just <laughs> started three years ago. Four years. I know. Yeah, Sometimes it's hard. You know, you're like, why are we not here? I don't understand. You know, and like, mm. you know, our competitor, you know, start the biggest sales training company we compete with started in 1970. Why are we not there yet? You know, oh, they've been around 54 years or whatever. Right. It is, you know? right. So anyway, so our culture is really handed down a lot uh, from our CEO as well. So my business partner, CEO former special operations. Okay. So he served, I want to say two or three tours in Afghanistan, uh, special forces. He was a sniper. Okay. So we've implemented a lot of like when salespeople come into our organization and they want to work for us, we don't just hire them. We put them through like a 30 day boot camp. So they go through a 30 day boot camp and they actually have to pass that boot camp, Like no joke. Yeah, to get in. To be able to get hired. And they do work for us for free during that 30 days. But that's that they want to do that. Like they're willing to do that because of the benefits on the opposite side if they land that job. Okay. But what it does for us is it shows that they have skin in the game. Yeah. And they and they want to perform. And the people who don't want to do that, we just we don't hire them, you know, because we don't. We don't want like a, a cancer and, the, and sure, as you grow, you're going to have some of that. It's impossible not to have, but we want to try to eliminate as much of that, you know, 
you know, being in the company club environment where everybody's complaining about leads or complaining about this. Like we want our salespeople to, when they go into a break room, they're not complaining about something. They're asking each other for advice. Like, Hey, when you get this objection, what do you say here? What do you ask here? And they're, they're competitive, but they also know that we're on the same team, right? It's like, it's like we're all in the Marines. We're competitive, but we're all have the same end goal, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, I mean, it sounds like really your culture is one of high performance, but also collaboration. I mean, you really want to create that collaboration between your team members. Yeah, and that's really what selling is. I mean, selling really, you know, most most sales training, it's it's kind of sad, but and that's why salespeople get such a a bad name, right? Yeah. It's because most sales training is taught that selling is adversarial. Like it's you against the prospect trying to win them over, manipulate them, Mm -hmm. pressure them to buy what you have. So you make money, right? That's what average salespeople do in our day and age, like below average salespeople do. That's why they suck. Okay. Selling is is really collaborative. Like you said, it's working with the prospect. It's It's like being on the same team. It's working with them to help them find problems they probably didn't know they had. And then once you help them find what those problems are and the root cause and how it's affecting them, then you're able to offer solutions to help solve those problems and get them the results they want. I mean, selling is really collaboration. It's not yeah. adversarial. Yeah, it's 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 collaboration and problem solving, really. You know, and and I know that you have this unique methodology, and, sure. and I'd love for you to talk about that because one of the things that I know about business growth is that we can't have business growth if we're not selling, right? And we're not. And, and selling has, you know, like you said, I mean, sometimes it has a bad rap. It gets a bad oh, rap. Sure. But, yeah. but but you've created a different approach and it's really that a, yeah. a neuroscience approach. So talk yeah. to us a little bit about your methodology. Yeah, it's just, it's my nerdy background. So I went to uh, college for behavioral science. So my, wow. my friend is behavioral science, you know, uh, human psychology, because I see so many organizations and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we've got great training. And when we go in and we do an audit, we find that it really wasn't training. It was more like self-help, which is good, like self-help books, like how to have a good mindset. You know, we're going to teach them about the products. We call that product pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I like, okay, mindset is great. But can I make a suggestion? You can listen to Tony Robbins all day long. And I love Tony. Like I've been to a lot of events. I, I, he's great. Okay. You can listen to the best mindset self-development all day long. But when your prospect picks up the phone, and says, hello, if you don't know the right questions to ask at the right time and really the right tonality and delivery of those questions and that prospect, you know, it triggers fight or flight mode and they try to get rid of you very quickly. All that self-help and self-development goes out the window pretty damn quick. If you don't know how to get that prospect to want to open up to you and actually want to engage. Now, self-help is great. But when you learn the right tactical skills, when your salespeople learn exactly what to say, exactly what to ask that triggers human behavior to become curious enough to want to engage, they gain confidence themselves in their own ability, which increases their mindset. You can read 150 gazillion personal books, but if you start getting rejected all day, all these objections, and you don't know what to do, all that goes out in about 10 seconds. I can tell you that. So, yeah, so this is kind of interesting that you asked me this. So, and I think the best way 
to really describe like our methodology compared to maybe what, you know, some people on here might have their salespeople go through yeah. is, uh, is this, you know, according to behavioral science. So there, there are actually three forms of communication, just behavioral science 101. Okay. And I would suggest just, you know, if you've got a pen and piece of paper, guys, write this down. You know, if you're driving, be careful, but <laughs> you got a pen and piece of paper, write this down because once you understand the differences in persuasion and where you are, or maybe if you've got a, a sales team underneath you, where your sales team is in their sales ability compared mm -hmm. to where they could be, it will completely change everything for you. So the first mode of communication, I was talking to you a little bit about this before we got on here, is it's called era one. So ERA, era one type of sales. And that's more known as like boiler room selling. Okay, what's the first thing that comes to everybody's mind? And you think boiler room selling, right? You know what I mean? So we're the least persuasive when we tell people things or we attempt to dominate them or posture them or push them into doing something we want them to do, right? When you think of boiler room selling, most people, when I ask that question at events, are like, Wolf on Wall Street. That's what yeah. they think, right? Some type <laughs> right. of the, you know, the gecko guy or yeah. you know, even Jordan Belfort. I'm, I'm sure Jordan's a great guy. That's just how they <laughs> in the movie. But hey, I've got a great opportunity for you. And then we talk about the features and benefits of what we do and how we have the best this and the best this and why they need to buy from us. And it's just like telling your spouse that they really, really need to do something for you. And then you start pushing them to do it. What do they typically do back? Push they back. Push back. It's just, it's human behavior 101. So I'll give you a few examples of the least persuasive way to sell. Okay. Presenting. We're all taught. You have to have this great presentation, you know, the hour and a half worth of slide decks, you know, and, and all the, here's the corporate office and, you know, here's all of our clients and we've got triple A rating with the better business bureau and we've got the best this and the best that, which by the way, doesn't every single salesperson or company say they have the best product or service? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. How many salespeople or companies say, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're fifth best in the market. No For one average, does, yeah. right? <laughs> Everybody says that they are the best. Yeah. So when you say things like that, your prospects psychologically actually trust you less because they're used to every single salesperson and company saying that. You know, my wife, I'll give you an example. She makes me watch The Bachelor all the time. Okay. <laughs> And so, you know, just yeah. TMI here. No, no judgment zone. No judgment and, and zone. I know. And every time, every time the host gets on there, what do they say? The most dramatic season ever. The most, and they say yeah. the same thing every season. You're like, I think right. they said that for 26 years straight. I'm not, you, nobody believes it anymore, right? Yeah, so, exactly. so we have to be careful with using words. Or if we talk down about our competitors, when we do those things, your prospects actually trust you less because they're used to every salesperson doing that. So according to the data, it's not very persuasive if your presentation is more than 10% of your entire sales process. Mm. The average salesperson, usually about 50%. We got to lower that way down, okay? Telling your story. Hate to tell you this, nobody cares about your story when you're selling one-to-one. -one. Whose story do they care about? Their own. Yeah. Their own story, right? Yeah, Given a, a sales pitch. We always tell you to give a great pitch. Yeah. According to the science, not very persuasive. Like, do you ever watch Shark Tank on CNBC? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, so the entrepreneurs come out there, the sharks are there, and the entrepreneurs come out all excited, enthusiastic, and start pitching. Look at the body language of Barbara, Mark Cuban, Mr. Wonderful, you know, Damon John. Look at their body language and how they cringe. Yeah. That's what your prospects are going through when you go into your pitch. Interesting. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Right? It's just human behavior, assuming the sale, according to the data, very low on the persuasion poll, hence the term sales is a numbers game. That's where it comes from because of the techniques we're taught to use 
causes it to be a numbers game. Okay? Yeah. Especially if you're in a more of a complex selling environment, more business to business sales that requires mm-hmm. multiple calls and touches, right? Now that's mm-hmm. error one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Error two. Let's talk about that. Okay. That's more known as consultative selling. A lot mm-hmm. of people in B2B sales like, oh yeah, I'd sell, you know, consultative selling. Now we are more persuasive according to the science when we attempt to have a normal discussion. Consultative mm-hmm. selling came out in the 80s. Right. Uh, one of the first books on it was Spin Selling, okay, right. by Bill Rackham, a professor. Yep. Sure. You, need to, you need to ask logical-based questions to find out the needs of the client. You sell to the needs. But what's the potential downfall of the approach when you're only asking logical-based questions? We call those surface-level questions. Mm-hmm. Prospect's going to give you logical-based answers in return. Right. And do people buy on logic or emotion? Emotion. Brain studies prove that 100%. There's really no debate at that point. So yeah. use consultative questions like this. Just stay away from these because they trigger sales resistance. Uh, so Mary, uh, tell me, what's two things that keep you awake at night? <laughs> don't ask that question. Please it's don't ask that question. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so overused and so bad. Like you ask that, the, the person's cringing inside. I can pretty much guarantee you. Yep. Or, can you tell me two problems that you're having the most, Bob, or who besides you would be involved in this decision? So instead of saying that, because mm-hmm. most people are not going to really tell you, they're not going to open up like, oh, well, you need to talk to her and you need to talk to this. You just want to relanguage that. And it might mm-hmm. be something like, so John, can you, can you walk me through your, your organization's decision-making process when it comes to solving challenges like these? See, mm-hmm. walk me through. So it's a little mm-hmm. bit more like, well, we need to get Debbie in accounting ready. We need to, you know, and they start walking you through mm-hmm. the company's decision-making process when it comes to what? Solving yeah. problems or solving challenges like this. So just rewording that, okay? Yeah. What are you looking for in a solution? See, once again, surface level, you're, you have to go far deeper in that sure. if you want to pull out any of their emotions and create urgency for them to do something now, not later. And that's mm-hmm. error two. So you're yeah. still more persuasive than boiler room selling, telling your story, putting sales pressure, but you're still having to play the numbers game because mm-hmm. very little emotion is brought out by simply asking logical-based surface-level questions. Okay. Now, third mode, you were asking me that. Here we are finally. Okay. Right. Third mode of communication, according to behavioral science, error three is dialogue. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're the most persuasive when we allow others to persuade themselves. Now that's called, like I said, dialogue. Yeah. When we ask what are called neuro-emotional persuasion questions. That stands for NEPQ. Now, the key is, what are those questions? What are those certain questions and techniques that work with human behavior that actually get the prospect to pull us in mm-hmm. rather than us trying to push them forward? Okay, yeah. like self-persuasion. That's, you know, can you just show up and say, hey, Mr. Prospect, go ahead and persuade yourself. And by the way, here's our, <laughs> here's our bank details. No, you have to learn specific skilled questions and when and how the delivery to ask them in a step-by-step structure that gets your prospects to sell themselves rather than you trying to do it. You with me on that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so I'd love to kind of hear some of those questions and some you know, what some of those questions that you use to help pull them in or yeah, pull themselves in. Well, there's a there's there's a whole structure here. And I'll give you, I'll just give you a few examples, you know, because we want to, you know, depending on what we sell, we we obviously want to be able to connect with the human being. So one yeah. thing that a lot of people, you know, just my background in behavioral science with the way the brain works is typically within the first seven to 12 seconds of any sales interaction you're in. Okay. So I don't care if it's in a boardroom meeting. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's on a doorstep, if you sell door to door, 
It, it could be a cold call. It could be an inbound lead who books on your calendar or an outbound lead who requests information. I mean, it doesn't matter. You could be in a home. You could be in an office. Any sales interaction you're in, in the first seven to 12 seconds, your prospects subconsciously, we can't even help it, are picking up on social cues from you. Okay, yeah. so picking up on your nonverbal and your verbal cues based on your tonality and what you are saying and or asking that triggers their brain to respond or react to you in one of two ways. Okay, most people don't understand that. Like, yeah. oh, I've heard of fight or flight, but I don't know why it's caused. Sure. <laughs> You might want to find out if you have a sales team, why that's caused, or if you're a salesperson, right? Yeah. So if you come across in that conversation aggressive, if you come across needy and especially attached, mm -hmm. and you don't know the right questions to ask, it triggers the human brain to go into what we call fight or flight mode, where they try to get rid of you very quickly. And they say, uh, oh, I'm too busy right now. Can you call me back later? Or, oh, you know, we already have somebody for that. We, we are to use somebody for this. Uh, we don't have the money for that right now. I'm good. We're not <laughs> interested. Can you, can you call me back in a week, a month, a year later? Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. How many times does that happen to you guys as salespeople? Yeah, right. Once you learn how to use human behavior in your process, you come across more neutral. When mm -hmm. I say neutral, I'm more unbiased. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if I can even help yet because yeah. I don't know anything about what's going on. How would I know, sure. right? Sure. Yeah, if I yeah. come across more neutral, I come across more calm. Mm -hmm. I come across especially detached, detached, mm -hmm. and know the right questions to ask. It triggers the brain to become curious enough where the prospect actually wants to engage, okay, where they actually want to open up to us because they feel like we might have something that's important to them. So we have to learn, like if you've got a sales team, we have to learn how to get your salespeople to start thinking differently. Like we have to learn how to get them to really become detached from the expectations of making the sale and instead focus on whether there's even a sale to be made in the first place, whether or not yeah. prospect has problems that we can solve. Now, yeah. good Lord, do I mean when you get on a call like, or when your salespeople get in a, a sales interaction that they're not out to make the sale? Well, hell no, of course yeah. not. Your goal is to make a sale on every interaction or call, but you have to keep that to yourself because the moment your prospect feels that they are being sold to, mm -hmm. in the moment they start to do what? emotionally shut down. shut down. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You can have the best questions in the world. They're never going to open up to you and tell you the truth of what's really going on. Yeah. Well, and it sounds, it sounds to me like, you know, one of the best things for a salesperson to do is to really pique their curiosity and allow that curiosity to, to find out you, you talked about, you know, really connecting with the human. I think that, you know, if, if we're connecting on a curious curiosity basis, yeah, we're going to connect with somebody. So talk yeah. a little bit about that curiosity and how to develop that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's so okay when you when you get on a call, right? And I'm going to I'll give you a few examples of, of questions and stuff, and then we can even give them some some free resources if they want. Obviously, a lot more. I know we don't have a ton of time to go through everything, but sure. as a salesperson, you you have to start viewing yourself. Like if you're a sales professional, or let's say you're an owner and you've got a group of 10 salespeople or 50 salespeople or 100 salespeople, whatever you have, okay? You have to get them to start viewing themselves as more of a problem finder, mm. problem solver, not a product pusher. There is a major difference in what I mean by that. Okay. Now, what do I mean by problem finding? See, any book back here, like there's there's a bunch of sales books back here in my yeah. shelf. Okay. Yeah, Every single book back there is going to say you have to be really good at being a problem solver. And that's true. 
But in our day and age, you have to be a lot better at problem finding. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay. If your prospects do not buy what you were offering, you cannot solve any of their problems. So if you can't help the prospect find problems, because most of your prospects, when you first get on a call with them, most of your prospects do not even realize they have a problem. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they realize they have a problem, but they don't realize how bad that problem really is. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they don't understand what the consequences are if they don't do anything about solving the problem. Now, once you learn advanced questioning techniques, when we talk about working with human behavior, not only are you able to help them find one problem, but you're also able to help them find two problems, maybe three or four or five other problems they didn't even know they had. Mm. You as a sales professional, if you're able to help your prospects find three or four other problems they didn't even realize they had, how do you think they're going to start viewing you? They start to view you as like the expert or the trusted authority who's going to get them the results they want compared to how they view all the other salespeople who ask a few surface level questions, go into their pitch, and then they just commoditize them and try to put them over here like this person just trying to sell me something, right? So you want to start viewing yourself different. Now, most salespeople, prospects view them as more of a product pusher. What do they do? We've been taught, you ask a few consultative questions. What's your biggest problem? What are you looking for in a solution? Who's the decision maker? What's your budget? And then we do what? We, we start talking about the features and benefits and how we have the best this and the best that. It's like taking a bucket of mud, like throwing it up against, oh, against the wall. The wall. Yeah, yeah, sure. Brain that something we're going to say is going to magically trigger that prospect to want to buy from us. I, I call that hopium. It's a yeah. drug. You know, it's, a, it's like a drug that so many salespeople and businesses take where they yeah. just hope and pray that something that's in their slide deck is going yeah. to make that person magically want to buy. And it's such a hard and unpredictable way to really mm-hmm. scale your business. So we want yeah. to, you know, I'll give you an example. Like we, you know, let's say you're in the first call discovery and it depends on what you sell, whether it's business to consumer or B2B, but either or you're going to have a first conversation. Like we would call that more a discovery call or gap mm-hmm. call or something like that, right? You're finding out their situation. Uh, you're, you're finding out really what their situation is. We call that like their current state. We're also finding out where they want to go. We call that their objective state. Now, what's that gap in the middle? The gap in the middle is determined by you, the salesperson, by the questioning skills you have that allow that prospect to see that here's where they are, here's where they want to be, but that gap is really, really big, okay? Because if you're able to see, like if they're starting to say like, oh my gosh, we have all these problems, there's no way we're gonna be able to get here with all these problems that I didn't even know I had, 20 minutes ago, mm-hmm. very valuable. Now, if you don't have the right questioning skills, what happens to the gap? It becomes very small. Mm-hmm. There's sure. no gap when there's no, there's no need, there's no urgency. And that's why you get a lot of, I want to think it overs, sales stall, they never go anywhere, contracts are sent out, they don't get approved. That's what happened because the salesperson doesn't know how to create the gap in the mm-hmm. process. So what I want to do as a sales professional We're going to find out what their situation is. We're going to ask what are called problem awareness questions that allow them to see what their real problems are. And not just what the real problems are, but what the root cause. And what caused the problem? Most importantly, how are the problems actually affecting them even personally? That's where emotion starts to come out. Okay. Then we want to ask solution awareness questions that allows them to see what their future is going to look like once all these problems are solved. Okay, sure. so now they're on a high. They're like, oh my gosh, it's gonna, they're viewing how it's gonna <laughs> look once they have the results. Then I wanna rip that away from them 
with right. what's called consequence questions that get them to defend themselves on why they need to change now, not later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a generic, I'll give you just a few generic consequence questions here, you know, because sure. I know I know you sure. probably have lots of different types of people in here. Absolutely. So I might say, and this is probably three fourths of the way in the conversation. You can't ask this in the first two minutes. It would make yeah. sense. Okay. Okay. But John, what if, what if your company, what are the, I guess, what are the ramifications if your company doesn't do anything about this though? See, that's a consequence question. Sure. sure. Think like, what are the ramifications if the company doesn't do anything about this? And we would repeat yeah. back whatever the problem was. Sure. Like, yeah. okay, but what if, what if you guys don't do anything about this though? Mm-hmm. Then back the problem whatever that is, what if you guys don't do anything about this X, Y, Z for the next three, six, or even 12 months from now, mm-hmm. what happens? Or, you know, I'll give you an example. Like I was just, I was working on this uh, script for a, a company, that, a new company that we just brought on as a client and they sell lead generation services to, to primarily like SMB, maybe fortune 1000 companies. Sure. And they felt like a higher quality lead type of thing. So a consequence question we would teach their salespeople to ask like, Okay, but what if you don't do anything about this and you keep getting these lower quality leads to your sales team mm-hmm. and your sales keep stagnating, like you mentioned, another three, six, even 12 months from now? Like, what happens then? Yeah. That gets them to think, like, oh, no, 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 we're definitely going to do something about this for sure. Okay, so it's important for you to do something then. Because it gets them to defend themselves, like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to let that happen. Yeah, sure. That, that consequence question when they defend themselves on why they need to change triggers more urgency in their brain to yeah. do something like it comes front and center they don't put it off or like mm-hmm. oh, we'll get back to you when we make a decision like it becomes front and center in their conscious mind that this is a priority right now right. Or I might say well what what okay but have you thought about what would happen if your company doesn't do anything about solving this problem that would be another consequence question. Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that. You know, and I think that, you know, this process is so non-intrusive and, and so yeah. engaging that really what you're doing is you're helping that person solve their own problems in a sense. But yeah, yeah you're not you're not product pushing. And 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 I love that. I mean, I really it's I think structured, that, skilled conversation. You're not talking about weather. You're not talking about who won the game tonight or how are you doing today? Nobody knows. Nobody, nobody really honestly believes when you get on a sales call and the salesperson, yeah. how are you doing today, Bob, that you really generally are asking that for a genuine reason. Everybody yeah. knows why you're asking that. Like, no, they're not like, oh, thank you for asking. I'm doing exceptionally well. In fact, <laughs> I walk my dog. It's like, everybody <laughs> knows what you're doing. So when right. you do the same thing that every other sales or salespeople do you sound like everybody else. And that's why your salespeople are getting commoditized. Mm-hmm. That's why they're saying, oh, we've got these deals in the pipeline that never go anywhere because they've just been commoditized over here. And now they're competing on price. Mm-hmm. And you're probably losing a lot of sales to low cost competitors because everybody's being commoditized. They don't view your salespeople as experts. They don't view them as trusted authorities. They just view them as somebody trying to sell them something. And that's not a situation you want your salespeople to be in if you really want to get big. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I, and I I love this uh, because I think that you know when we talk about business growth, when we talk about team growth, we've got to be able to know how to have these conversations. We have to be able to 
to, to, to have these conversations to grow our company, because if we don't, I mean, we're going to be commoditized as, as, as business owners well, and as salespeople. Yeah. Right? And what, you know, like when we, we even have a fortune 100 client, you know, we, we train, I think we trained three divisions now of Google. So we, we've done oh, nice. stuff with them over the last couple of years and obviously they're doing really well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but what has got you here? How is that going to get you here? Yeah. If your salespeople say the same thing, do the same thing and ask the same questions, getting you here. Yeah. How are they going to do all of that? Say the same thing, ask the same questions, same process. And that's somehow magically going to get you here. It's pretty much impossible, right? So it's like, okay, you've already hit certain milestones and goals with your company, but where are you wanting to go from here in terms of advancement and improvement from your salespeople to get here? Like they're mm -hmm. obviously going to have to learn more advanced skills if yeah. you want to scale to that level. If that yeah. Makes sense. yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I love this approach because I know that when we start talking about you know subconscious based uh, approaches and conversations, yeah. we're really helping to to break through that 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 logical that logical brain. Yeah. And you know you, you mentioned it earlier. You know sales is an emotional an emotional decision. That's how your prospects are making their decisions for sure. Yeah, exactly. So we have to get past the non-emotional part and get to that emotional part to be able to make it. We have happen. to be able to know, like, it's not just the questions, but it's like, who's teaching your salespeople the right tonality? Who's teaching right. them the verbal pausing skill mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that allow the prospect to open up and feel comfortable in telling you the truth of what's really going on, what their real problems are, because you can have the greatest questions in the world, but you don't even understand how to have the right tonality your prospects are still going to emotionally shut down and they're never going to open up. So you have to learn how to work with human behavior and your sales process for your salespeople. And it just opens everybody up. It's like where they just automatically trust you and they didn't know who you were 10 minutes before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. Totally love this. So you, obviously you do training and I would love to help uh, I've heard the people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how do we help the people who are listening learn more about your training, yeah. how do they get access to that? I know you yeah. talked about some free resources as well. Yeah, just kind of yeah. check so these out. I think the best thing for them, because I, I I feel bad. I mean, obviously in 30 minutes, we don't have time to go through like right. what questions, how you're asking them, what part of the sales process, what do you say if they say this? What do you ask if they do this? We don't have time to do all that, obviously. Right. So they can they can join uh, the best place to get resources like that is to just go to our free Facebook group. Um, I think we sent you the link. Just go to yep. www. I believe it's salesrevolution.group. So if you go to salesrevolution.group, you just you know join the join the group. Right when you join the group, uh, check your your Facebook Messenger because somebody on my team will message you over a free training. We message it to everybody when they join, and it's called the NEPQ 101 Mini Course. Okay. Oh. It's a mini course just with certain questions your salespeople can use in different situations. Just that alone is going to increase their sales. Okay. Just, and that's like us giving you like a 10th of 1% of our training, if, if that, but that little mini course will help them in different situations that they have learn different questions they can ask and relanguage some of the questions they're probably using now that are triggering sales resistance to kind of eliminate in the conversation. And in that Facebook group, we go live in there three to four times a week with different trainings on different subjects, you know, how to prevent objections from happening. Uh, what do you say if the prospect does this? You know, how do you connect? You know, it's like specific examples. We have Q&As, different stuff like that. So they're welcome to join that for free. 
and uh, just have them check the messenger because somebody in the team will message. Uh, we have about 16,000 people in there now. I think we started about nine months ago or something. So somebody in the team will message them that free trainer right in their messenger. So check your messenger because sometimes it'll go into like your Facebook messenger spam, but it'll be right there right when you join. Excellent. Excellent, Jeremy. So I will make sure that that link to the, the Facebook group is in the yeah. show notes. So one last uh, one last question for you, because I know that uh, if I if I did my research right, you've got a, a book that's coming out in the fall of this this year, 2022, yeah. right? Gosh, you know, it takes forever to publish a book, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Tell like, us about that. When I went down this path, I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll write the book and, you know, it'll be on bookshelves in three months. Well, nothing <laughs> could be further from the truth. It's like it takes like 12 to 18 months. It's crazy. Yeah. So the book's already been done for like three months. Nice. But right now it's going through all the publishing and all that stuff. So it won't be published to like late fall of 2022. So it's written by a good friend of mine that we do a lot of uh, coordination work with. His name's Jerry Acuff. He's the author of like five best-selling sales books. He's the CEO of Delta Consulting. It's a very large sales consulting firm. They've been around like 20 plus years. And uh, so we decided to write this book together. And uh, we, we primarily wrote it. It's called The New Model of Selling. Yeah. Selling to an unsellable generation. Hmm. Yes. Talk a lot about how consumer buying behaviors have rapidly changed, especially yeah. with the power of the internet, especially with social media and how that's still evolving. Mm -hmm. And we give you a lot of tactical training. One of the biggest things that Jerry and I do not like about most sales books is that most of them we find are very just theory. Yeah, and sure. A lot of fluff that just mm -hmm. keeps repeating over and over. And we're like, how do we, you know, obviously, teach the psychology behind why buyers have changed and, and what's caused that, but actually show salespeople and organizations what to do about it. Like uh, here are some, the questions to ask to eliminate sales resistance in a conversation. Here's certain questions to ask to, you know, connect with the prospect where they actually want to engage with you. So we give you a lot of tactical training, even in the book that we just find is, is kind of just non-existent in most sales literature today, for sure. That's that's fantastic. I, I'm looking forward to that book. I actually I know, wrote, me too. Me wrote too. it down and, and I'm gonna it's gonna be on my reading list. So those been are, done are three months, man. I'm just yeah, like Lord, what, you know, I didn't know <laughs> when you write a book, it's like it usually doesn't come out for like a year or two later. It's crazy. It takes a while, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for uh, just sharing the wealth of knowledge in this area of sales and you know, I've also often said, you know, I said it already earlier that, you know, companies don't grow unless yeah. their people grow and, and their people aren't going to grow unless they, you know, complete a sale. I mean, they have, we have they're to sell what we're Skill level has to grow. I see a lot of organizations that will bring in companies to increase their, like their corporate employees, like skill levels and management and leadership and all that stuff. I'm like, this is great. But when the prospect picks up the phone, if your salespeople don't know what to say, and more importantly, ask, it triggers that prospect to want to engage. All that leadership training goes out the window pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much again. I really appreciate you taking some time to, to share with our listeners just really all about sales because I, I really believe that we're all in sales. I mean, I don't care if you're the CEO, if you are the janitor, we're all in sales. We're, we're, right. we're selling somebody on something, right? You're, you're always, you're out there every day trying to persuade, you're trying to influence, you're trying to move others. Like you said, you know, if you're the, the business owner, you know, you're, if you're out there trying to convince or, you know, persuade your employees to follow the vision of where you're taking your company, what are you trying to do? You're trying to persuade, you're trying to influence, you're trying to move others. 
You know, if you're an employee trying to get your boss to give you a pay raise, what are you doing? You're trying to persuade, you're trying to influence. I mean, everybody's in sales. Now, even if you don't have a sales job, you could be an attorney trying to convince the judge that your client's innocent. You're trying to persuade. I mean, yeah. Politician trying to convince people to vote for you. You're trying to persuade, influence. Everybody's in sales. Everybody's in sales. I love it. And, 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 and this, you know, this, this training that you have is um, going to be really important for all of our listeners. So I want to encourage all of our listeners to go out and, and check out this Facebook page. Check out Jeremy's organization too, Seventh Level uh, Sales Training. And, and I, I've taken a look at it. It looks fantastic. And the, I know the, the best place for them to go to is, is that Facebook group because you're going to get a lot of okay. Yeah. And if, look, if they've got sales teams, you know, they want their salespeople to sell more. All they have to do is message in those groups. We have people in the groups all the time that will message them back, give them more details. Uh, but yeah, we, we got, we're training. I think we train over 120 different industries at this point. We even have politicians now oh. that are coming to us for training. We actually signed the first couple of congressional politicians now that we're training how to much better communicate their message. Because it's really, really bad sometimes. Oh yeah, let's let's hope that the commercials on TV can actually. Uh, <laughs> I know, won't right? Go down that rabbit hole, but people, but hey, I'm, and I'm and I'm like, you know, people ask, better. what do you believe in politics? I'm like, I'm just right down the middle. Yeah, just, exactly. I don't, I, my beliefs have no impact. What we're good at is training people how to sell more of their products and services, and we just stay in our own lanes. We don't I care. We're just going to teach you how to sell more. Love it. Jeremy, thanks again, my friend. I uh, appreciate you being on today and your best, best of luck to you. Hey, man, thanks for having me on your show. It's awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, that is such great information and, and such a unique approach from Jeremy. And it, it's really cool to see how he and his team are, are not only growing, but also transforming how the world uh, sees sales. And I, I always like to recap a few of my key takeaways from the conversation. And, and the first thing that I took away and really I think is important for everyone to to get is that growing our business means growing our sales and growing our, our business means we have to grow revenue. And, and Jeremy shows us how to have a better experience with using um, human psychology to really help people solve problems. And and really at the end of the day, that's what selling is. It's, 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 it's helping people to solve problems connecting them then with what they really want and and helping them to be confident on an emotional level uh, and and really transferring that that certainty to them that they can do whatever it is that they they want to do or they they uh, can can actually make the decision that they need to make the other thing that I I thought was important to this conversation was that it really takes the right team. To, to grow. And, and when we identify our people's strengths um, and, and align them within those strengths, that's really important for, for team and company growth. I thought it was really interesting to hear how Jeremy uh, puts his people through or, or recruits uh, through a, a 30-day boot camp, uh, his new employees or potential new employees through a 30-day boot camp because that helps those employees to to have skin in the game and 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 really um, at the end of the day it's all about high performance and and collaboration and I thought that was really a uh, an important point that Jeremy made especially about culture because when we can cultivate high performance and collaboration that really is going to get us such a great culture and it's also going to great get us great uh, company growth as well the other thing that I thought was was interesting was just the approach that. Uh, Jeremy is teaching 
about helping people to find problems that maybe they didn't even know that they had just by virtue of being curious and and by bringing neuroscience into the sales uh, process and and helping people to overcome that that fight or flight mode because uh, when we do that that's really um, going to help our sales be more successful and and really help our sales team to be more successful. And, and I, I know that we all have fears and, and, and I know that um, when we're pushed into something that's unknown, it, it triggers that part of our human psychology that, w- that wants to push back so that if we can overcome that, that makes uh, it a lot easier to be able to complete the cycle and to be able to help people get what they want. I think it's also really important to remember that um, the least least persuasive form of communication is is telling or presenting. And I think it's, it's so common and it's probably the typical sales picture we have in our heads. But, but people don't buy on logic. They buy emotionally. And, and when we're curious and we allow our curiosity to really connect with people and help them to connect with themselves, that will allow them to, to convince themselves and to really be able to help them make the decision that they really want to make. And, and it helps to be able to overcome um, some of that fear that's within inside of them. Another takeaway that I have, and, and it's something that I really believe in, and that is questioning skills, that when we use questions um, in the sales process, but more importantly, even just in the process of, of coaching our teams and helping our, our, our people to grow, those questioning skills are so important. And it's, it's really uh, a critical factor in uh, not only our sales growth, but also our, our people growth as well. And, and just the value of having skilled conversations uh, around sales, it, it's, it's, it's critical for company growth. So teaching our people how to have those skilled conversations and, and really creating an environment where they can have those skilled conversations and practice is really key. And one of those ways that, that you're your people can do that is to join Jeremy's Facebook group. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes, um, but it really is the way that um, your people can can grow to be able to practice and and get feedback and and be in a safe environment. It's one of the reasons why we've created our inner circle uh, memberships, the, the the inner circle groups. I I, I can't wait till um, Jeremy's book comes out, uh, and, that, and that book title is called "The New Model of Selling: Selling to an Unsellable Generation," and it really dives into a lot of the psychology behind sales. So I'm really excited about that. So finally, just um, using some of what Jeremy shared today, let me just ask you a couple of questions as we end the, 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 the episode together. First of all, where are you stuck in your business or personal growth? I'd love for you to, to just journal on that. Where are you stuck? And, and what's going to happen if you don't do anything? In other words, what happens if you just keep doing what you're doing already to get in stock? And what if you could make a decision to, to learn a process to keep you breaking through those barriers, those growth barriers? And no matter what your answers are to those questions, I still would just like to invite you to consider uh, deciding to come to, to Turning Point. I'd love for you to check out the registration site. We'll put it in the show notes, but it's simply davidmcglennon.com forward slash turning point. And again, we'll we'll have that link in the show notes because I know a lot of people are driving or, or doing other things while they're listening to podcasts. And let me just say thanks for listening in today. I really hope that this episode has given you some fuel for growth. 
So until next time, keep exposing yourself to new ideas and new ways of being so that you keep growing. Be well. Mm -hmm.